Hello again. I'm Peter Alsop, here with my Songs to Chew podcast. I'm so glad you came by. For today's Song to Chew, I borrowed the tune from a song written in 1876 by Henry Clay Work, My Grandfather's Clock. It's a standard of British brass bands and also popular in bluegrass music. You'll probably recognize the tune. But it's not about my grandfather. It's about my dad and my childhood. So here from my fan club favorites album and also my Songs on Sex and Sexuality album, let's listen to My Father's Top Drawer. As a child, I was blessed with a curious mind and a sleepy, incompetent nurse. One day, I discovered my father's top drawer where I found my old man was perverse. It's a wonder I turned out as well as I did. I'm not nearly as warped as before. I'm not sick, God forbid. I was only a kid who grew up in his father's top drawer. There were devices and diagrams, naked toy dolls. There were magazines and pictures and cards. And a pen with a lady when turned upside down who discarded her black leotards. (laughs) It was scary to find what my dad had on his mind and the feelings that came over me. I tried hard to stay calm, but how could I tell mom his disease was hereditary? It's a wonder I turned out as well as I did. Readjustment is really a chore. I found Pandora's box there under his socks when I opened my father's top drawer. There was a hot water bottle with buttocks and breasts and amazing assortment of smut. That pornography there under his underwear got me into this sexual rut. I grew older and brought home all my friends. We'd sneak in and spend long afternoons (laughs) And I never got caught Though I think my dad knew I was selling them his long white balloons It's a wonder I turned out as well as I did Now I'm older and I know the score I've got kids of my own who'll be pure when they're grown Cause there's a lock on their father's top drawer That was Bob Webb playing with me on his dual concertina. I play my treble concertina, my dulcimer, and the penny whistle. I love using humor to address loaded subjects because it gets things out onto the table where we can see them and they can be explored and reconsidered. The song ends with me getting a lock on my drawer, mostly because I didn't want any other people in the audience who had their own collections to immediately get defensive and put up walls to taking a deeper look at how porn affects us and our attitudes about sex. Some kinds of photography can be arousing without being demeaning to anyone of any gender, race, or sexual orientation. I was a bit nervous about sending this album to my dad when it came out because he'd never heard the song before, 
and I wasn't sure how he'd react to me going public about his supposedly secret drawer of pornographic paraphernalia. We had five boys in our family, and our sister, the youngest. Of course, it's not okay to go rifling through your parents' private possessions, but I know I wasn't the first explorer to navigate this territory. And pornography is one of the ways that young people learn about sex and sexuality. It's pretty common for boys and girls to be curious about sex. The way we hide it in our society only heightens our intrepid curiosity to find out what's it all about. The objectification and hiddenness of girls' and women's body parts, I think, actually creates some of the titillation for admirers. When there's a constant visual stimulation reinforced by female images, provocative or not, without having an actual real person there to integrate the experience of passions evoked, it's much more difficult to build an awareness that this she-person is not a thing to be used to self-gratify, but an actual, real, breathing, live, feeling, whole person. And after recurring titillations and masturbations, one's expectations about having a real sexual relationship with a female can be a minefield for a young person who's been programming themselves with pornography for years before it happens. I think it's also a pathway through which Patriarchal forms get passed down to us as dominant, usually male, privilege. It's almost a rite of passage. If we grow up always looking for love when in fact it's only sex we're looking for, our overwhelming attraction to someone else's body without concern for their feelings or responsibility for our behaviors becomes a challenge for us to use whatever goal-oriented manipulations we can muster to see if we can win the prize, reach the goal just a little further. And yet, we lose as we undervalue and even completely miss the opportunities to practice loving someone else, where we might build our own skill set for knowing how to appreciate the lovely and delicate nuances and complications that come along with any caring sexual relationship with another person. And gentle caring is certainly a kind of love, isn't it? These days, it's so difficult to guard against online pornography. We may have all the safeguards in place to protect our kids or grandkids from seeing something disturbing that they're not yet ready to see. I think the best protection for that is to make sure our kids can always, always feel like we are a safe person to come to with any and all questions or concerns that they have. And we can only do that if we take the time to show up for them every time they ask. It's never too late to start that process. My dad didn't feel like a real safe place in that department. I actually did get caught. My dad called my brother and I into the bedroom, sat us down, and asked if either of us had been in his drawer. I knew the jig was up. I wanted to blame my brother, but I told the truth. I even told him about distributing his condoms to my friends. My brother also pled guilty. Actually, I always thought we got busted because my brother didn't put things back exactly the way he found them. But uh, now that I think about it, maybe it was me. Dad might have been counting condoms. Jeez. Well, to his credit, he said he wasn't going to punish us because we told the truth. Pretty good, huh? I was so relieved. I thought we were going to get room detention for three or four months. I've always told the truth ever since then. You believe me, don't you? Okay, that was a pretty short song, but as you can see, there are plenty of ideas and topics to chew on here. We'll stop here for today, but you can still think about it if you want. Hopefully, you found this podcast informative and entertaining. I'd love to find a sponsor who could help defray some of the costs of putting this together every week. If you're interested and would like to support my work, and maybe you have some funds left in your advertising budget, please write to peter at peterallsop.com or check out my Patreon page at patreon.com below. Thank you for stopping by. 
I'm Peter Alsop. I'll see you again next week. Bye for now.